Thank you for joining our breakthrough service. Today, I would like to greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to continue on our study in the book of John. We're going to start with John chapter 3 today. John chapter 3, from verse 1 to 10. The Bible says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born can he jesus answered truly truly i say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of god that which is born of the flesh is flesh that which is born of the spirit is spirit do not marvel that i say to you you must be born again the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going so is everyone who is born of the spirit nicodemus answered and said to him how can these things be and jesus answered and said to him are you the teacher of israel and don't understand these things today we're going to speak on a message subject and my title is or the subject of my message is is about you must be born again you must be born again. We look at this entire chapter of the book of John chapter 3. We are dealing with a matter of life and death. I would like to read to you a short story that I found while preparing the sermon. It says, not only was Benjamin Franklin a great statesman and an inventor, but he was also a great correspondent and received letters from famous people from all over the world. One day he received what could well have been the most important letter ever to come to his desk. It was from the well-known British preacher George Whitefield. Whitefield wrote in his letter, I find that you grow more and more famous in the learned world, Whitefield wrote, as you have made such progress in investigating the mysteries of electricity. I now humbly urge you to give diligent heed to the mystery of the new birth. It is the most important and interesting study and when mastered will richly repay you for your pains. This is the letter that George Whitefield wrote to Benjamin Franklin. I love this last part that he wrote in the letter. He said, I now urge you to give diligent heed to the mystery of the new birth, the mystery the new birth is a mystery. And we will see as we begin the study on John chapter 3, how Jesus then also described it as the wind. Because it's a mystery how the supernatural transformation takes place in the life of an individual without any yelp or without any work of that individual. Because being born again is supernatural. The new birth is one of the key topics in John chapter 3. In addition to this, we see that Jesus Christ in this particular chapter has three different roles that plays out to us. The first is that Jesus is the teacher. 
the second is the bridegroom and that Jesus is the witness so when we look at the book of John chapter 2 verse 23 and 25 we have noted the connection between that and John chapter 3 verse 1 we understand that Nicodemus was initially attracted to Jesus because of the miracles he did he wanted to know more about Jesus and the doctrines that he taught Nicodemus himself was a teacher of the Jews and he had great respect from this for this teacher that was from Galilee now we're going to speak about three things today as we work through this 10 verses in the book of John chapter 3 from verse 1 to 10 we're going to speak about the man Nicodemus we're going to speak about the need that one must be born again we're going to speak about the message that Jesus presented to Nicodemus. So when we begin with the man, Nicodemus the man, we understand that Nicodemus was a member of the Pharisees and he was one of the leaders of the Jews. The Pharisees considered themselves as leading teachers and interpreters of the scriptures. The story of Nicodemus is a case that we're going to study today. Nicodemus himself was one of those superficial believers those who came to christ because of miracles but didn't really commit themselves to jesus so miracles drew many people to jesus the bible says in the book of john that jesus did many miracles but people still did not believe we look at the gospels where the bible says but seder and capernaum where jesus did most of his miracles the bible says these people seen the miracles but they still did not believe now today when we look at the world or we look at what happens in this world we see the most powerful preachers we have heard about the most powerful preachers we have heard about the most astounding miracles that has taken place but if i have to compare miracles of our day to the miracles that jesus did there has to be a vast difference because jesus is the son of god and he came and the bible says he did many miracles the bible even says at one place jesus hid all so i'm telling you that when people come with sicknesses diseases it can be sometimes crazy things crazy things so we do not know what miracles took place except for those that we have recorded in the bible for us to read so that we could believe we know there's 37 miracles in the gospels seven to nine miracles in the book of john why do i say seven to nine because in the book of john if we count the resurrection and we also count at the end where jesus told the disciples cast your nets to the other side when they drew it in the bible says they caught big fish so if we include those two at the end then it's nine miracles in the book of john so jesus did mighty mighty miracles and these miracles were usually an attraction these miracles drew nicodemus nicodemus was from jerusalem or lived in jerusalem if 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 that if if, if, if i'm correct i could be speaking under correction so he possibly lived in jerusalem one of the studies shows that nicodemus was one of them of the three or he was the third richest person in jerusalem at that time so you was very very wealthy we know wealth makes you influential wealth gives you authority then secondly nicodemus was also part of the of the same hindran the same hindran was 71 guys that were teachers and that were that were part of the of the leaders of the jewish people 
And so they were a very, very important group, the Sanhedrin. And we're going to do much about the studies about the Sanhedrin as we go on through the book of John. We understand the important role that the Sanhedrin has in the lives of the Jewish people. And we will then un unravel this. And so we understand the importance of this character, Nicodemus. This is very important today as we're going to look at how Jesus ministered to Nicodemus, how he approached Nicodemus when Nicodemus approached him. Hallelujah. And so we're going to we're going to look how Jesus dealt with Nicodemus. And I believe that this will also then be a, a, a way for us to minister to people that we come across. And we see how Jesus dealt with Nicodemus throughout this. Nicodemus, the name Nicodemus means victor over the people. It was a Greek name and was common among the Jews of Jesus day. Nicodemus was, as I said, is and was a part of the religious the elite religious party of in the in the Jewish nation. There were six thousand Jews that were devoted to the Jewish ways, and Nicodemus was part of this hierarchy. They were they were guys that were devoted devoted to the things or the traditions and the the the, the laws of of the Jewish people. And even Paul could be a could have been one of these people. And we're going to look further on as we as we're going to come back to this specific point on Nicodemus. Nicodemus was brought or came to Jesus out of curiosity, out of curiosity. The first thing that we discover about Nicodemus, it could have been out of fear that, G that Nicodemus came to Christ at night. It could have been out of fear that he came to Jesus tonight, out, I mean at night. And it was also faith because he knew Jesus was sent of God. So it was fear and it was faith. So he had a mixed emotion with some of the guys on the Sanhedrin because when we see that he came to Jesus at night, we're going to see how he speaks to Jesus. So we we have, we have we understand that he's now part of this important group, the Sanhedrin. And for him to have possibly come in, there are some possible scenarios that we're going to look about why he came to Christ at night. At night, it could be that it was fear. It could have been that because he was part of this elite group, if he came to Jesus in the day and had this normal conversation with Jesus, it would be that like he is approving Jesus. And this would possibly make him also lose credibility amongst the Sanhedrin because they saw Jesus not as, as the Messiah. They saw Jesus as Beelzebub. They saw Jesus as whoever. They had all the wrong perceptions about our God and our Savior. So now... Nicodemus now meets Jesus at night. Hallelujah. And so he is now in a conversation with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Because the Bible says that in the book of John chapter 1. Hallelujah. And we see that Nicodemus now has this very life-changing conversation and encounter with Jesus that every single person should have in their lives because the day you come to christ that is the day when life begins that is the day when you are resurrected out of your sins out of your trespasses and now you begin to live in your full and your full purpose for god hallelujah that is now when you make a discovery of who you are and so nicodemus is now at the point of finding really out what is life all about? And he's at this moment now, as many people come to the crossroads of life, where they need to make a decision to serve Jesus Christ. And now Nicodemus is now sitting with Jesus, speaking to Christ, and they have this conversation that is now struck up by Nicodemus, surely asking Jesus some questions. 
When we look at the Bible in the book of Luke chapter 18 verse 18 to 23, we also understand that doesn't when people come to Christ, it doesn't always guarantee salvation. What I mean by this is, the Bible says there was a rich young ruler came to Jesus and he wanted to know by Jesus, what must I do to follow you? I think for study's sake, let's just read this particular story so just to for us to have some clarity. I wanted to uh, paraphrase it, but I think for, for, for clarity, just to understand it. Luke 18 from verse 18 to 23. And a certain ruler questioned him saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, and Jesus said to him, hallelujah, that, um, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth up. And Jesus said, when Jesus did this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have a treasure in heaven and come follow me. When he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. One of the one of the um, gospels says that when he left, he was sad. So at this at this crossroad, at this very important um, place in this young ruler's life, when you had to make a decision to let all things go and follow Jesus, he then decided, or he it was a difficult thing for him. So many people come to Christ and many people sometimes come to Christ with the intention that they're going to gain. But not many people come to Christ with the, with the intention that they're going to have to lay down their lives and die. And that is what most of the time when people hear about the gaining, they rush to the altars. But when people hear about the life that they have to offer up and give up, it becomes too big a sacrifice for many to make. And many people then do not serve God all the way. So it does not guarantee salvation when we come to Christ. Because when our hearts are being laid bare before the Lord and before the altar, most people then begin to then quit on their salvation because they feel that God is asking for too much. Because what we understand is the day you come to Christ and the day you be born again, you begin your life basically over. Your life is now, you begin as a new person. You begin to have a new vision, a new heart, a new desire, and a new way of doing things. And for many people, this is too much to ask. Hallelujah. And so Nicodemus now spoke to Jesus as we read in verse 2. We find that Nicodemus now has this conversation with Jesus Christ. And he, and he says this, and this man came to him by night and said, Rabbi, we know. So he said, we know, we know. He was speaking about those that were part of the Sanhedrin. So they were now convinced about Jesus because the miracles that he did, as Nicodemus says here, nobody can do these things as one translation says it in the NLT translation says, unless the presence of God is with him. So nobody can do this unless the presence of God is with him. And so we find that when, 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 when they now acknowledge that Jesus could be the Messiah because according to them, it could be. And so he was being, he's now investigating their convictions. 
Sometimes we investigate our convictions, but the thing about some people is they can investigate their, and, and what they are convicted about and yet not make a commitment even if they found out the truth. We find that many times people will come to see is God good. And even if they know God is good, they sometimes choose other things above Jesus Christ. And we see this happening throughout the ages, throughout our lifetime, that people came to Christ to see if he's good. And yet he has proven to be good to them. But many has not, has walked away. They came to Jesus Christ like many did in the gospel where the Bible says they believed in him because of the signs. They had a superficial faith in the signs but not in the Christ and that is where we need to get this right when God does great things this should draw us deeper and closer to God hallelujah we should be drawn deeper and closer to God and this is what we have read about because Nicodemus must have listened to John the Baptist must have, must have listened to the Baptist preaching and he knew that John the Baptist spoke about this guy and this guy what he's doing is evidence now that this that John the Baptist preached was true because he said one that comes after me is greater and they must have seen this and they must have seen this but we need to be careful even as believers that our faith is not based on miracles alone hallelujah there must be an inner cleansing with a complete change of heart brought about. And this change is brought about by the creative power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There must be this change. Only then, says the Bible, can somebody now come into the kingdom of God. And then Jesus begins now to witness to Nicodemus. And he says to him, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again from above because Christ now brings this change into your life. Christ gives you a new heart, new mind, new life, new desires, and he changes your whole life around, even your words, hallelujah. So when we invite people to Jesus Christ, many people then sometimes comes to a place where they think their decision, that is, they do not have to really make a decision in serving Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Because what's important to them is because they think about their religious background, their family heritage, they think about their church membership, they think about religious ceremonies, and so on. But Jesus brought clarity to Nicodemus. He brought clarity. He made sure that Nicodemus understood the way to the kingdom is only through salvation and believing in Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross of Calvary. So when we look at John chapter 3 verse 3, we understand that Jesus is now referring to the new birth. The new birth or what we would call regeneration. Regeneration is the act of God by which he imparts eternal life to those who are dead in their trespasses and in their sins. And this now makes them children of God. Let's read John chapter 1 verse 12 and 13. The Bible says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they are born of God. Another definition for regeneration is the divine action by which God renews the fallen creation so that it reflects his character. Come on, somebody. I'm going to say that again. 
Regeneration is the divine action by which God renews the fallen creation so that he reflects his character. So Jesus said, now you must be born again. Or some translation says, you must be born from above. Only then you can enter the kingdom. When Jesus was speaking about the kingdom, he was not speaking about the universal kingdom because he is Lord of all. But he was speaking about the kingdom of salvation, which is the spiritual realm of God for those who have been born again by the divine power through faith, who now live under the rulership of God, mediated through the Son, Jesus Christ. Now Nicodemus, like the rest of his fellow Jews, they eagerly anticipated this glorious realm. But unfortunately, they thought that being descendants of Abraham and observing the law and performing external religious rituals would gain them entrance into this kingdom. Hallelujah. But they were mistaken. And Jesus had to, needed to bring clarity. As many of us sometimes need to bring clarity as we win souls for Jesus. We need to make people understand it does not matter. It does not matter that Jesus already died for us and that he loves the world, that now we must not serve him. And some people have the mistake that they think that because Jesus loves me, he will not send me to hell or else Jesus is evil. And so we need to bring clarity to people so that people would understand. So we as the message bearers, of the cross and those who preach salvation must bring clarity to people we must make people understand that the way to jesus or the way to god is through jesus christ jesus said i am the way i am the truth i am the life we need to under make people also understand that no matter how religious you can be or how religious somebody might be hallelujah no one can enter the kingdom of god without experiencing the regeneration or the new birth. Jesus said this in Matthew 19 verse 28. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I want, I want you to understand this. Truly, I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration, in the new birth, the Bible says, they that is born of God, they that are born of God, you are in the new generation, the regeneration, sorry, of the spirit of God. And now we find that in verse 4, Nicodemus is puzzled. Nicodemus has now been hit below the belt because Nicodemus thought he knew everything, but suddenly he is stunned. And he asked Jesus, how can this thing be? You know how? Some people ask you the question when you speak about being born again. They say, how can God change me? How can God transform somebody like me? And this is how Nicodemus came from another angle because he did not understand this. To him, this was sounding some, something like Greek or something that is, that is far-fetched. And his first thing was he taught it in the natural. And so he said to Jesus, you know, how can somebody like me that is this old go into my mother's womb again? How can somebody go through that experience of entering my mother's womb for a second time? And so Jesus now had to bring more clarity. And therefore, we need to preach the message all the time. We need to preach the gospel. We need to, we need to encourage people. We need to continuously um, align people. We need to continuously bring that clarity that many people lack. 
in the season in which we are living right now, I thank the Lord for the many preachers across social media that is sending out messages every day on emails, whatever it is, reaching the world, bringing clarity to people that they must be born again. This is the way of God. This is the teachings of God. This is the way we must live. And I pray that we will never get tired and that we will continue to endure because through this we learn a great example from Jesus Christ is to continually bring people into alignment with truth not look at people's rank not look at people's religious background not look at people who they are what they possess but that we need to bring the truth of the gospel so that people will align themselves with the message of God and understand that I must be born again. It does not matter how good I am. It does not matter how I offered up my life for somebody. It does not matter what good I have done. It does not matter how much people I feed on a weekly day, on a weekly basis without being born again. I've always said this and I will stick to this that we do not get saved by good works and we will see this further in the book of Titus 3 and verse 5 as we continue later. Hallelujah. So now Jesus begins again to speak and then to preach to to, 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 to Nicodemus. And so he begins now the message. And this is a very important part of the scriptures. We look from verse 5 to verse 10 in this following portion right now, where Jesus now makes a statement. And Jesus now says, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You must be born of water and of the Spirit. But he says, truly, truly, I, whenever we see in the book of John, and John uses this many a times, when he uses this repetition, truly, truly, what John is saying, what follows next, it is very, very important and should be taken notice of or should be taken note of. And so he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, as we continue now, we need to bring then also some correction and some insight to this. To be born of water is to be born physically, right? And to enter into your mother's womb a second time. To be born again means to be born of the spirit. So just as there are two parents for physical birth, so there are two parents for spiritual birth. As we, if we have to put this picture together, there are two parents for spiritual birth. And we're going to look at this and we're going to make want to understand this. Hallelujah. Because this is what John is saying. So when we go to the book of James chapter 1 and verse 18. We're going to start with James chapter 1 and verse 18. And we're going to see how this connects. I'm so excited for this. Hallelujah. How this connects. James chapter 1 verse 18 says, In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Can we see this? The Bible says, he brought us forth by the word of truth. So that we might be, as it were, the first fruits amongst his creation. By the word, by the word. So the word and the spirit works together for our regeneration. For us to come to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For us to experience the new birth. And we're going to look at this again. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 to 25. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23 to 25. Let's look at this. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. Come on. We have not been born of that which is um, perishable, but that which is imperishable. And the Bible then says you have been born through the living and abiding word of God. If we look at this just quickly in the New Living Translation. 
just to get some clarity and just to assist I, you know i like i like the new living translation because it it kind of just gives us some clarity on some of the wording that we do not understand in the king james and so forth um for you have been born again but not to a life that will quickly end your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scripture says, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So what happens at the time of when we become born again? The spirit of God takes the word of God and then the sinner believes the word of God and now it imparts life from God. That is so powerful. So the spirit of God takes the word of God and when the sinner believes, imparts the life of God into the person. Hallelujah. And we need to just fix a correction just quickly. When we look at this, we are not speaking about being born again of the water. You must go through water baptism to be saved. Jesus was not teaching that the new birth comes through water baptism. In the New Testament, baptism is connected with the death and not birth. And no amount of physical water can effectually or spiritually change a person. Hallelujah. Therefore, the emphasis here is on believing because salvation comes through faith. Let's read Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. Salvation comes through faith. God saved you by His grace. When you believe and you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. There is the line drawn. Salvation is not about the good things we have done because then people would have an opportunity to boast. But our salvation is a complete Sorry, a complete work of God. The evidence of salvation is the witness of the spirit within. The spirit witnesses to us that we are born again. If you want to know how you are born again, you, when you come to Jesus, the moment you accept Christ with a true heart of repentance, the spirit of God lives in you and the process begins immediately. Immediately you are quickened. Immediately you are made alive. Immediately the regeneration process takes place. Because we come to God justified, we go through sanctification and then at the end we experience glorification. So when you come to Christ, you now experience the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of God. It's not a work of man. It's not a work of man. It is a work of God. And we need to understand that. That's what Romans 8 and verse 9 says. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not believe or do not belong to Him at all. And as a sinner, you cannot have you cannot have the Holy Spirit in you. Many people say crazy things sometimes. They say this that God spoke to me. God spoke to me. The Holy Spirit is with me. But they have not made a commitment to Christ. I question their salvation. But the Bible says here, through the witness of the Spirit, we now know we are children of God. I'm telling somebody today, you do not have to be confused. You do not have to be puzzled. You do not have to be concerned. Am I born again? Yes, 
If you have made the decision and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord of Sa- and Lord and Savior with a true and genuine heart of repentance, the Bible says we believe in our heart and therefore now we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and you shall be saved. Glory be to God. And then the Spirit enters our lives when we believe. And we're going to look at Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14. I love the teaching of the word of God. It really brings light to me and I enjoy seeing. I like seeing. I've always prayed this prayer, Lord, I want to see your word. I want to see what people see because I want to experience the change other people are experiencing. Hallelujah. And so now the Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he has promised you long ago so when you come to Christ now you receive the Spirit of God the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance that he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people he did this so we would praise and glorify him so the Spirit is like a foretaste of what is to come the Spirit is like a seal that we are God's children and that we're gonna and I'm telling you man when I think about it Think about this. The spirit is now like a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like. The spirit is now the seal, the guarantee that you are a child of God. Hallelujah. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Glory be to God. Can somebody give God a praise? Hallelujah. The New American Standard Bible says, the spirit who is the a first installment of our inheritance. Oh, there is a payday coming for the child of God. The spirit is our first installment. We can experience the fullness when we enter into heaven, when we come, when Jesus comes back and takes the church to be with him, we're going to then experience the fullness of God. Hallelujah. We need to get excited. We need to be happy for this. Hallelujah. So water baptism is certainly a part of our obedience to Christ and our witness for Christ. That's what the Bible says. You will believe and then you will be baptized. Many people have turned around and said that you will be baptized and that is a sign that you have repented. No. You need to believe and then you will be baptized. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. We're, we're getting understanding. God is opening up our minds and our hearts to His Word and to truth today. Hallelujah. And so we need to understand that it we must not make um, water baptisms essential for salvation because then otherwise none of the Old Testament and Testament people and even the sin on the cross in the book of Luke 23 verse 39, the one that cried out to Jesus, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said to him, today you will be in, pa- in paradise. They didn't take the man from the cross and then baptize him and now say you are going into paradise. No, he went into paradise because not many people has the opportunity to get baptized. But baptism after salvation or after repentance is very important because we are making an outward show of what we have believed inwardly. Hallelujah. And therefore we do get baptized. So remember, we are not saying baptism is not important. And so now Jesus goes further and he breaks it down and he says to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So our earthly birth is flesh. The spiritual birth and new birth is supernatural and it's of God. So human birth involves travail. 
And so does the bird from above. Our Savior had to travel on the cross so that we might become members of the family of God. And when we as believers, when we pray and witness, and when we seek the face of God to lead sinners to Christ, we travel for them. Paul says that I pray, I have travailed for you until Christ is formed in you. This was the prayer of Paul the Apostle. And when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 15, the Bible says, For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you. I became your father when I preached the good news to you. So I gave birth to you. I introduced you to the word. I introduced you to Christ. And therefore, I am now your father. I am now your spiritual father. So when a child is born, it inherits the nature of the parents. And so does the child of God. We become partakers of his divine nature. This is so, so powerful. We become partakers of God's divine nature. When we watch nature or look at nature, National Geographic and channels like that, we see that the, the lion, the lion cubs has the nature or carries the nature of the lion, of the lion, because they are lions. And we see different animals have different types or different um they have their different types of, of, of how they react in nature because from what they are born from, they, re, they act like. And therefore, this is what Jesus said. If you're flesh, you bring forth flesh. If you're spirit, you bring forth spirit. And so we look at First Peter or Second Peter chapter 2 verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1. But there were also false prophets in Israel just as there will be false teachers among you. They will clearly teach destructive heresies. Amen? Sorry, verse 4. I'm reading, I'm, I'm looking at this verse and it didn't all make sense. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into Yal, in gloomy pits of darkness, where they are being yelled until the day of judgment. I'm sorry, my Bible has just skipped to chapter 2. I'm a little bit <laughs> jumping between the word of God. I'm very sorry for that. But we're going to continue. Hallelujah. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4 and because of his glory and excellence he has given us great and precious promises these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires he has given you his divine nature to escape to escape nature determines appetite which explains why Christians have an appetite for the things of God. Christians have an appetite for the things of God. And therefore, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, verse 2 and 3, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for the nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness you must desire god newborn babies in christ desires to know more about jesus hallelujah we desire to know more about christ but the bible says he that we now that we are born again we have a desire for christ 
and we have no desire to go back to the former things that which we have done when we have truly come to a decision for Jesus Christ when we have made that decision the desire our nature is now after God our desires after God because our appetite now has been changed we are now a transformed people our appetites are different and now we are seeking after God as David says deep call it unto deep as the deer pants for the water it's so many things that the psalmist teaches us about desiring after God in the name of Jesus so second Peter 2 20 to 22 and when the people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again they are worse off than before it would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and reject the command they were given to live a holy life they prove the truth of this proverb a dog returns to its vomit and another says a wash pig returns to the mud that is what happens when we backslide we become worse and it's like a dog returning to his vomit. God wants us now with this new nature. We should feed on the word of God and we should grow spiritually. Hallelujah. When we look at this new birth, this new birth involves life. And spiritual birth from above involves God's life. John uses the word life 60 times in this gospel. Because the opposite of life is death. And the person who has not believed Jesus Christ does not have God's life, eternal life and abundant life. The Bible says then in John 10, 10, the thief has come to kill, steal and to destroy, but we, Christ has come to give us life and life in abundance. But the person outside of Christ does not have this abundant life because the only way to enter God's family is through this new birth. A newborn baby cannot be arrested because he has no past. Hallelujah. Therefore, when we become born again into God's family, our sins are forgiven and forgotten and our future is bright. And now we have a living hope. And when Jesus brought this message to Nicodemus, Nicodemus seems puzzled. Many times when we minister to people on the street, they seem puzzled. They look confused. They look, what have you just said now? You have said so many things, but I don't believe this. Or I don't trust you. I don't trust this way of God. I don't believe this way of God because I've heard this already and it has not worked. It has not come through. But now God, Jesus is looking at Nicodemus. And I also have that strange look at many times when people speak to me things that I don't understand. I have a look to show you that I don't understand. You would know me when, when, I, when you speak to me and I don't understand or I don't agree with something, there's a frown on my face. And I'm sure Nicodemus must have frowned at Christ because Nicodemus was surprised. And Jesus said, um, don't be surprised because you must be born again, Nicodemus. Nicodemus must be born again because this, this bewilderment on Nicodemus' face um, kind of brought this, 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 this reaction where Jesus needed to bring Nicodemus more clarity. Hallelujah. So don't be surprised, Nicodemus, for I've told you that you must be born again. Verse 7, you must be born again. But Nicodemus was a Jew and he was part of God's covenant people. And therefore, Romans 9, 4 and 5 says, They are the people of Israel, children chosen to be God's adopted children. And God revealed his glory to them and he made covenants with them and gave them his law. 
He gave them the privilege of worshipping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are their ancestors and Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. So that is Nicodemus' mindset at this moment now because he's remembering he's from the bloodline and the lineage of Abraham and so this is Jesus is saying it is strange to him. It is foreign to him. He thought he already had an automatic access into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So when Jesus called him to be born again, Jesus was challenging this most religious Jew to admit that his spiritual bankruptcy to admit to his spiritual bankruptcy and abandon everything he was trusting in for salvation. Hallelujah. And this is what Paul did in Philippians 3 verse 8 and 9. Paul says, more than that, I count all things to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So Paul knew what it was to forsake. Here we find Nicodemus was holding on to the traditions, those things that made him popular, those things that made him powerful. He was willing to hold, he was he was going to hold on for dear life. And that is what we find many people when they come to Christ, sometimes they cannot let go of certain things because when they let go, it's going to make them lose power, it's going to make them lose influence, it's going to make them lose authority, it's going to make them lose some things in life and therefore they are not willing to let it go. But Paul understood, even though I was born from Israel, a Tara Jew, a true Jew of Jews, but I still had to count these things as rubbish because I had to exchange it for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that is what we need to do. We need to take our righteousness according to Isaiah that is like filthy rags and exchange it for the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. This righteousness makes us stand before God in the very presence of God and we can now be in God's presence because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so Jesus now has to bring an illustration to make Nicodemus understand what he just said. So Christ now compares the new birth to the wind. You cannot see the wind, but you can feel its effects. So it is with the new birth. You cannot see it, but you can see the change of life. This is what happens. We cannot see the wind, but we see the destruction. We see the we see um, the, 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 what is happening after the wind blows. We see the effects of the wind, but we cannot see the wind. We can call it southeasterly or what southwesterly winds, but we don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's really going to. But this is what Jesus said. When we look at the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life, you cannot explain it. I cannot explain how it is now for 15 to 16 years. I am free from drug addiction, free from alcohol, free from many things. It has been a work of God in my life. And every time I'm just growing more and more and becoming like Jesus Christ because there's a work taking place in me that is supernatural. And that is the type of work that we see in many people. They came out of the world bound by sin, drugs and everything else. But then the work begins in them and they become a totally new person because this work of regeneration is a sovereign work of God in the heart of human beings and that cannot be controlled or predicted like the wind. The wind we cannot put into a box 
or a bottle. The wind cannot be controlled. Hallelujah. The wind cannot be controlled, but we understand that we can see the effects, as I said earlier. So the effects of this then of salvation is a transformed life for those who are born of the Spirit. How can a drug addict become a preacher? How can a prostitute become a woman of God? How can somebody bound by, by sin and by Satan now become a preacher of righteousness and freedom and liberty? It is all a work of the Lord. So Nicodemus, again, he is puzzled. He is confused. Many times we need to go through this different stages with people because they just do not come to a place where they are totally convicted. Remember now, signs brought him, but his heart was not convicted. Hallelujah. He believed because of signs, but he was not committed to Jesus. Many times we believe because of what God has done, and we're not committed to the God of the things that he has done in our lives. And we need to come to that place that when he start following God for who he is. Therefore, the children of Israel many a times fell off the bandwagon because every time they believed God for his works, they were so impressed with the works that the Bible says in the word of God, the Bible says, and God showed his signs or his works to Israel, but he made his ways known to Moses. I want to be a person that God makes his ways known unto me. And I pray that will be your desire from today to know the ways of God. Miracles will follow. Miracles will happen. I do believe in miracles, but I also believe that when miracles happen, it should bring a deeper intimacy with God. So when God has come through for me, I have a deeper desire for God. I should want to be more in his presence. I should be want to be more with him because of what he has done for me. Oh Lord, help us in Jesus mighty name. We conclude with the last two verses of John chapter 3 verse 9 and 10. So as I as because Demas is not puzzled Surprised at what Jesus is saying, he don't understand this simple teaching which he supposed to know. And so the Bible now brings two contrasts in this last two verses. The teacher of Israel who failed to comprehend heaven realities. These realities were known, were made known to him by the teacher that came from God. These things were now revealed to him. Therefore, we need preachers of the Spirit because they reveal God's words to us. They reveal God's mysteries to us through the Spirit that is in them. Therefore, we need to submit under somebody that carries this presence and the, and the power of the Holy Ghost and is led by God, man full of the Spirit of God that can make the mysteries of God known unto us. So in spite of Jesus' clarifications, we are not even said that Nicodemus still accepted him after all that he heard. But what we do understand that Nicodemus did not want to let go of any of his legalism or his religious systems. He didn't want to depend upon the, upon the, upon the sovereign work of God because in their belief or the work or they were walking in, they were being glorified because of them keeping the laws and obeying the, 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 everything that was put in place. They were like people were celebrating them. But now it came to a place where Nicodemus was no longer going to be celebrated and God was now going to be glorified. He could not see this. It was He was so into this that he was blinded. And that is what happened to many of us many times. Hallelujah. The, we get blinded by our religion. We get blinded by our religious beliefs that we cannot see God wanting to bring us to a new place in him hallelujah we get blinded by what we have been taught and what we have grown up into that we miss god when god shows up in our lives hallelujah and so we need to understand that when we are blinded or spiritually blind it can obscure what god wants to do for us it can obscure god's revelation in our lives so nicodemus ignorance also exemplified israel's spiritual 
bankruptcy. And we see this in Paul's words to the Jews when he says they're failing to recognize God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own. They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Therefore, their zeal for God was not in accordance with knowledge, meaning that it was all for nothing. Although nothing in this passage suggests that Nicodemus was converted that evening. It, does, it doesn't really show us that. But we do understand and do look when we look through the Bible, there was some type of change. But when we look at John 3 verse 11, the Bible says, very, very, I tell you, very important again. Very important again. Very truly, I tell you, very, very. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony because Jesus could see the rejection. People reject God even if he does what in their lives? They reject him. I mean, the people rejected Jesus when they saw the miracles. They were convinced that this man cannot do this unless God was with him. Never there was miracles that was written and declared. It has never happened before. But they, yet they could not be um, convinced in their hearts or convicted that truly that this is the Messiah. Truly this is God. Truly, I need to surrender. Truly, I need to give my life to God. Truly, I need to believe I must be born again. I'm not going to heaven because of good works. I'm not going to heaven because of good sayings. I'm not going to heaven because I fed a thousand people. I'm going to work to heaven because I am born again. Hallelujah. So when we conclude with this message today, we do not know. Did Nicodemus become saved? All that we are left with in the book of John is... When Nicodemus defends Jesus before the Sanhedrin in John 7, verse 50 and 51. And in the end of Jesus' life, when he died, in the book of John 19, verse 38 and 39, the Bible says, And he helped Joseph of Arimathea prepare his body for burial. These actions are surely indications of the presence of genuine faith in the life of Nicodemus. What we get from this, and as I close now, what we get from this and what is very important in this message, that we need to be born again. We must be born of God. We must be born again to enter into God's kingdom. We must be born again for our eyes to be open to, to experience the spiritual realities in this life. And then we must be born again to enter the eternal kingdom which Jesus Christ has been preparing for us. And so today, I want you to be sure today, are you truly born again? And if you are basing your born again experience upon certain things that I've mentioned today, and you have not really made a serious commitment to God, then today I would like to challenge you to surrender your life to Jesus and make a complete commitment to God today. If you find yourself in the shoes of that rich young ruler that really couldn't give up everything but had a desire, many people have this desire to follow God but they're not willing to give up anything to follow God. Therefore we understand, Jesus said, he that lays down his life will pick it up again. But he that holds on to his life will lose his life. So today, the question of your eternity is before your very, before your very life today. The decision that you that will change your life forever. The, the moment that Nicodemus had, Jesus didn't pull punches because Nicodemus was a wealthy man. Jesus didn't pull punches because Nicodemus was influential. But Jesus gave 
and Nicodemus the truth. You must be born again. So today, I would like to ask you, are you truly born again? Have you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life? If not, say this prayer with me. This is not about a prayer. This is about genuinely believing in your heart that you are born again. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died for my sin. I believe today that your precious blood will wash me and cleanse me. From this day, I am a child of God. I am born again. I believe my life is not my own, but to Jesus I belong. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you for every person that has been present and has been listening to this message. Lord, may you touch their lives. Father, may they be restless until they surrender. Father, may they feel the conviction and then make a permanent decision that they want to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. May God richly bless you and your family. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.